It's Thursday, January 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer here at the Motley Fool, Andy Cross. Happy Thursday, guys. Howdy. Hi. Um, Earnings Palooza rolls on, and this is an all technology show. So, for our dozens of listeners, you know, if you're not interested, just go ahead and skip to the next podcast. I keep thinking we have more than a dozen. So uh, you never know. Hundreds. Um, so, we're, we're going to talk Netflix, we're going to talk Nokia, but we're going to start with uh, the big gorilla, and that is, of course, Apple. Um, I think it is fair to say that most companies in the public markets would kill for the big number in Apple's first quarter, and that is a quarterly profit of over $13 billion. They sold 28% more iPhones, 48% more iPads, and yet, Andy, shares are down more than 10% this morning. Uh, Stocks at its lowest point in almost two years. Yeah, thirteen billion sounds like a lot of money. I- I've never held thirteen billion dollars. <laughs> it it sounds I, like a lot. I bet it's heavy. Yeah, it must be heavy. It must be heavy. Um, this is an expectations game. This is the investing world we live in, where your expectations are so high for a company that has thrived and done so well the last few years. Beat expectations, continue to outperform, and when they don't, and now we are seeing a few quarters of declining gross margins, there are concerns that competitive pressures are getting up in Apple's face. Samsung's out there. They don't have a low-price offering phone. Um, What are they doing with all the cash on the balance sheet that they're racking up? And furthermore, the guidance looks to be a little bit soft going forward, so investors sold it off. Yeah, uh, to that point, uh, Jason, uh, yesterday on Investor Beat, Eric Bleeker, who's one of our tech analysts here at The Fool, um, the way he put it was, this is impressive, but it's not Apple impressive. Yeah, and it's, they've, they've created sort of their own expectations here over the course of time. And, and we've seen, you know, year after year here recently, anytime you have live blogging of, of earnings events and they're considered events, uh, you know you, you've made it in, the, uh, in the, the publicly traded business world here. And Apple is a little bit of a victim of their own success today. Uh, but with that said, you're right. It, any company would kill to have results like these. But it does bring up more questions. And I think the, the dilemma here that a lot of people are, are posing is, is Apple now a growth stock or is, is it more of a, a value play, an income-generating play from a dividend perspective? And so the, the question is, I mean, wh- will they be able to grow? And I think that's really probably their biggest challenge going forward. And this has really been something ever since Steve Jobs passed away is their biggest challenge going forward is going to be the innovation factor. I mean, we know the, the just iPods and iPhones and iPads and what they've done to, to shape our lives. But as we know, the market is, is always forward-looking. And that's what the market's looking at now is what comes next for Apple. And I was reading through the call last night, and the, I, was, I was taken back by how really unsurprising the call was. It just basically told us about the quarter, the iPhones, the iPads, the Macs, and everything they sold. But there was not much forward-looking in that. There was a question about the TV product and, and – uh, Tim Cook was very quick to say, I just don't really have much to say on that. They sold a few more uh, million of the Apple TV devices, which are great. But So, I mean, I think it's, it's all about what, what is this company preparing to do. Here's how I sum this up, Chris. I, I look at Apple and I say, the last few years, they have always been leading the edge on innovation, giving us products, delighting members. We all have Apple products uh, here in the office, many of us. Um, they're always ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Now they seem to be maybe a little bit behind the curve with the with the pressure from the likes of, of Samsung, especially when it comes to global growth and in, into the market. And furthermore, all the questions of what they're going to do. Here's the numbers I'm looking at. They're going to generate somewhere between 35 and $40 billion, likely in free cash flow. 
10 billion of that will be somewhat spent on capital expenditures, more or less, and about $4 billion on R&D. That cash just continues to sit up on the balance sheet. The question is, what do they do with that? The law of large numbers is catching up with them. So the question is, what are they doing with that? I'm very, I mean, I think that's going to be an amazing story to follow to see how they continue to innovate. I have confidence that Tim Cook will be able to continue the legacy that Steve Jobs said. It's just that that's not going to happen every quarter. So investors have to be able to believe that story. What about that? Like when you think about the cash and the best way to deploy it, it's it's questionable, and I mean, the, if you look at it just from the perspective of quarter to quarter to quarter, last quarter it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 121 billion dollars that they yeah. held on the balance sheet. Now it's 137.1 billion dollars. I mean, think about that in relation to countries and other companies that right. we follow. It's yeah. just phenomenal. But the interesting part of that equation there is that over 94 billion of that is held offshore. Now we know that that's not going to be money that's repatriated and brought it back into the country because it's just gonna, the taxes are going to be. Uh, too high. They're not going to do that. So, you know, one thing they're going to do, they're certainly going to chase after those emerging markets and continue to develop and build out in those emerging markets. But I think it is a genuine question as to what, you know, on the one hand, you have $137 billion in your balance sheet, but, but on the other hand, what do you do with it Especially when the overwhelming majority of it is 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 offshore and, and subject to, to taxes that I mean no one's going to really want to pay. I want to get to the stock in just a minute, but a couple of weeks ago we talked about this Wall Street Journal report that Apple was very seriously considering uh, developing a low end yep. iPhone. When you look at these numbers and these results, Andy, do you think that strengthens the case? Because the Journal article. One of the things I found intriguing about it was it really painted this picture of an open discussion behind the walls at Apple HQ where you could tell that there were people who were making the case for this is why we absolutely have to have a low-end iPhone and people who were saying, no, we actually need to stay at the top end. Do you think these results give ammunition to the people within Apple who are saying, look, we now have no choice but to go after the low-end iPhone. You know, it's a really interesting strategic discussion, Chris, in all companies. The question of, do I continue to try to gain market share by keeping my costs as low as I possibly can for my for my customers? Like a Costco, where they're constantly lowering prices, constantly a Costco or Walmart, constantly lowering prices for their customers? Or am I working on the margin side and offering higher margin, higher value products like Apple has done historically. I think you look at this and you look at the units that Apple sells on their iPhones, iPads, compared to what you may see from some of the other manufacturers like Samsung and sellers like that, and you say, well, they have to compete with that. Right now, they are losing that game because most of those phones that are sold right now are sold at a lower price point. Apple has to play in that game. I don't know if I'm gonna, if we're going to really see that. If we do, I think it'll be something much different than what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. The question is, how does that affect the average selling price, which we've seen this decline? How does that impact margins? And does that ultimately impact Apple's growth rate? Does it get back to being that 20 30% earnings growth rate kind of company rather than just a low teens growth rate company. What do you think of the shares right now? Obviously, as I said at the top, yeah. lowest point in almost two years. Yeah, I still like them. At, I mean, it's $450. Obviously, it's come back dramatically over the highs from the 700 um, We like it in the stock advisor where we hold it. Um, depending on how you think about this as a multiple game, is it 10 times? You net out the cash. It's still a cheap stock. Assuming that they can start to put that balance sheet capital to work, as Jason said, is this a growth story or is it more of just kind of your typical run-of-the-mill now tech company? 
people love to shoot arrows here at Apple and have been, you know, kind of trashing the stock, I think, over the past year or so, over the past six months as it's come down. And I think when you see that kind of action, that's when I start to get excited that maybe, maybe it was overbought. Now, maybe to me, it looks like it's oversold. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's, on the one hand, it's it's obviously very it's a phenomenal company producing phenomenal products that we all use. Um, on the other hand, it is a very emotionally uh, driven stock. I mean, from from its highs to its lows, and I think that what we're seeing today is it just as just as quickly as people piled on on the way up, I think they're happy to jump off on the way down. And I think we see overreactions on both sides. And I think that we are to the point now where it's an overreaction to the downside. I think shares today are a very attractive price for uh, folks who are interested in holding on to the company for for five years and longer. If Apple is dragging down the NASDAQ today, Netflix is doing everything it can wow. to push the NASDAQ up. Kaboom! Fourth quarter earnings came in much higher than expected, uh, as did subscriber growth. And Jason shares up more than 40% That this was morning. way higher than expected, wasn't it? I think yeah. we were all very surprised at that result. And I think that... I mean, this is just a huge, huge win for Netflix management, for Netflix shareholders. Uh, I think that uh, for the most part, it's it's been a tough few quarters uh, where where the stock was really getting getting hammered after they they released their earnings, and so it was a very nice surprise uh, to see that. And I think that. You know, they, they, it's it's not really shocking to see that they were able to take advantage of a good holiday quarter where people were buying more mobile devices and gifting subscriptions and whatnot. Uh, it was it was just a little interesting to me to see the disparity the disparity between what they initially had us had us expecting versus what they actually presented. But uh, yeah, I mean, wow, just just a, an unbelievable quarter. Here's a great story with Netflix flicks that I love so much, and to me, it is a resurgence of Reed Hastings. Where a year and a half ago, um, he we had this disastrous decision to to create this quick stare, separate the, the the units, and just was a total mess. Reed put his head down. Got to work, hasn't given any interviews, yeah. just got that business back in operation where it read, it read to me is more Robert Downey Jr. than he is Mel Gibson. <laughs> so I'm, which, is a, which is, I'm very glad to see, um, and just what they've been able to do and the value of Netflix's brand and its business and the momentum that they now have behind that business with the content acquisition deals they've structured with Disney and Time Warner, the the way they're expanding their international business, and most importantly, how that is working its way through the financial model yep. to the benefit of shareholders and really talking about expectations, surprising the Wall Street um, analysts out there. And we've seen it in the in the uh, results of, of the stock today. Now, a very good portion of the shares were sold short. So it was a high short ratio, right. and that's led to a short squeeze, which is making a big impact. And that's why the stock is up, uh, partially why the stock is up more than 35% today. Yeah, it was 27% of the float yeah. was actually short, which is, I mean, you, you knew that after those results immediately, you could see the aftermarket and then the pre-market today. I mean, everybody was covering that, but rightfully so. I mean, that, that was a strong performance. I tell you, and, and Andy was talking about the, the resurgence of Reed Hastings, and I think there's something to that, because while I, I've always been a little bit on the fence about Hastings. I've also been very clear that while I'm not an owner of Netflix shares, I would certainly never bet against that company or that stock. And in going through that call last night, the one thing I noticed that it didn't seem, it seemed a little bit different from he he seems to be developing some humility. Yeah. You know, he he made this really funny reference, I thought, to, uh, you know, being out of jail but on probation. Yeah. <laughs> and they still had some time to, to sort of make things right with shareholders and customers. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. I think he really actually uh, cares about that. And, and then I think, um, 
Yeah, another encouraging thing, they were talking about possibly raising some capital. I think that's been a concern of, of many, but he was very quick to draw a secondary stock offering uh, off. He, was, he pulled that off the table and said they would probably look at trying to take out uh, potentially some low-rate low debt over long yeah. periods of time, which which I think they'll, they'll need to do eventually. But in this environment, that's a strong thing to do. Free money forever. And, and then, yeah, I mean, someone blatantly asked about the price. They said, hey, look, seven ninety nine. when are you looking to raise prices? He was very quick to say we're very happy with seven ninety nine, and we're not going to speculate any further than that. Uh, so it was it was a good call from him. I think he I think he really uh, got a little bit of credibility back with, with some of the doubters out there. Yeah, street cred for Reed is is running high today. Yeah. I mean, if you look forward now, now importantly, Wall Street and and investors are always looking forward. And right. We're always thinking about what's next. Um, the quarter that we're in right now is going to be very important because they will likely pass over a billion dollars in revenue this quarter. Streaming will be even more profitable contribution to to the profit line than will a DVD business, and that's so you're starting to see the migration of Netflix, thirty five to thirty six uh, million uh, worldwide subscribers to the product. Um, we've seen the international expansion. We've seen the, the the business take off on the streaming side here in the U.S. So you see this shifting of Netflix away from the DVD business over to this streaming business with a catalog that is far superior to anyone else out there. And you have a management team went through a very big learning curve yeah. to get here, and they've recognized that, and now they're marching on. And I think that's a very important lesson to learn for investors out there. Both of you guys watch this company closely. I'm curious what you think in terms of just just the rest of 2013. What do you think is sort of number one on the priority list at Netflix, or what should be? Is it just that continued migration that Andy mentioned? getting people from DVDs over to streaming, which is more profitable? Is it building out more original content? Uh, this new political series they have with Kevin Spacey's just getting all these rave reviews. Yep. Uh, or is it the international and making that work better? What do you think? I think it all it's all very important, obviously. But I think the biggest challenge for them going forward is going to be on the original content side. I think that's the biggest challenge and really the biggest opportunity. Because at this point in the game, uh, the the competitive forces in this business are doing nothing but heating up. And so for them to have a, a catalog of relatively mediocre content, I think everybody's kind of building out their own, and Amazon certainly is doing the same thing. And so for them, uh, for Netflix, they're going to really need to focus on differentiating the, their offering, and, and the way to do that is through the original content. And, and I think that's why you see so many references to HBO in those yep. calls. Yeah. Of, because he realizes the value in that. And if they can do that and do it well, then I think it really gives them a long long runway of, of uh, growth. Yeah, my, my key word for Netflix is relevancy. Like you want them to continue to be more and more relevant to their members and to consumers who are thinking about joining them. And that gets to new content, that gets to leveraging content that they've purchased, that gets to making sure that you are available in all the applications and the ways that your members are consuming that content. So whether it's smart TVs, whether it's an Apple TV, whether it's Jason's iPad, iPad mini, making sure you have the way that you're communicating and that your members want to access your content and do that better than anyone else and continuing to build out that intellectual property you have and you've leveraged for so many years, the intelligence they're giving to their members, more than 75% of their members uh, buy and, and rent movies based on recommendations from Netflix's recommendation engine. That's huge intellectual property they can mine in lots of different ways. And I think when you think about something like original programming, that's going to play a big part of that. How many short sellers do you think have, uh, as of today, just crossed Netflix off their list for good, saying, you know what, I, maybe I've had some success shorting this stock in yeah. the past, but I'm not, 
I'm, I'm, I'm just crossing just them off. Such my list. a momentum-driven yeah. stock. I mean, there are a lot of great qualities of the business. I mean, a lot of questionable qualities about the business and its future. But I mean, it's just—it's never. It's always surprised me that it garnered such high short interest because it's so volatile. Yeah. Um, I imagine the short interest after today will be considerably lower. And it's an emotional stock too. It and is. people, I mean, it's consumer-facing, so people are kind of always measuring it every day against how they use that, and that's tough to short against. Uh, finally, guys, Nokia's latest quarter is sort of a good news, bad news. The good news is Nokia had a net profit of $270 million, which is really good when you consider that a year ago the quarter lost a billion. Uh, the bad is that revenue is down 20%, and for the first time in the company's history, they suspended the dividend. Uh, CEO Stephen Elop said, uh, I love this quote, he said, We believe we removed the cloud of liquidity concerns. <laughs> What do you think, yeah. Andy? The only clouds remaining is will they be in business in the next uh, yeah. you know five years? It is. We were talking before the show. It is a sixteen billion. I think sixteen billion dollar company. So this right. is not a small enterprise. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you when you go through an action like this, suspend your dividend, that that you know gets the paddles ready to like you know clear and like what does that say to the market that you're you know. In the short term, that's never good, is it? I yeah. mean, Jason, we've talked before about Ford suspended their dividend. They came back. They reinstated it. You know, I don't know that, that anyone is, is passionately shorting Ford or, or anything like that or thinking they're going away anytime soon. I'm not saying that if you suspend your dividend, it never has a happy ending. Yeah. But I can't imagine a circumstance where anyone suspends their dividend and in the near term, people look at that and go, oh, well, that's, that's a great sign for the business. Yeah, and we know, I mean, so with Ford, for example, or GM or any of those, we know at least the car is not being phased out. It's just the company <laughs> needs to basically get themselves back to health. Uh, you know, with Nokia, in the other, on the other hand, I mean, it's very, very possible that their product – is going to be phased out, not smartphones per se, but their smartphones. And when you look yeah. at the the overall market for Android operating systems and Apple, and you look at the phenomenal numbers that they put up, uh, Nokia has a tremendous hill to climb there. And then if we look even further and think, well, there's just this possibility that Apple may present a, a lower-end smartphone, which who knows if that's going to be in their wheelhouse or not, but I would argue that if they want to play in this game, they're going to have to do it because really no one else benefits from the subsidies that we do on buying our smartphones. So they're going to have to play down to that level if they really want to be fully, truly global, which is just bad news for Nokia in the long run. And I, I just don't think the Windows operating system is so compelling anymore when you look at what Android and, and the Apple ecosystem have to, have to offer. Shares are down more than 7% this morning. And we've seen just in January alone days where – Nokia shares have shot up 10% or you know dropped 8% and and to, to what you were saying earlier about Netflix being volatile I feel like Nokia has now crossed over into this territory and I'm talking just about the stock now where it is now a stock to trade but not invest in and by that I mean I imagine people now looking at this stock and saying well look I'm not even though it's a $16 billion company, and yes, let's, let's take Stephen Elop at his word, and they've, they've removed the cloud of liquidity uh, concerns, <laughs> I still look at this stock now and think, you know what? I would never invest in this stock. I would possibly, if this were my mentality, and it's not, but I would possibly look to trade it just in the short term, but I just can't see investing in it. This is, I mean, this is why investing in technology companies and the the technology world is evolving and changes so fast. I mean, Nokia, you know, what, 
10 years ago, maybe even seven years ago, was just one of the phone leaders. Like, yeah. you know, having a Nokia phone was a big... I owned it? shares once upon a time when yeah, it was well, the market leader, and, and they really yeah. had no liquidity concerns. Yeah, so it was just... But that is totally shifted now. So when you're investors rather than traders, and we are investors here at The Fool, and we're looking at the investing and thinking about the business that's behind the stock, does Nokia look like more of a trade to me? It does. I don't do it because I wouldn't necessarily invest in that business. Um, but uh, the technology world is shifting so fast that um, if you're not backing the right horse, investing in, in that game can be very tricky. Um, let's just wrap up by going back to Netflix. Uh, I've got the weekend coming up, and I'm looking for movie recommendations. And it can be something off of Netflix or it can be something in theaters. I haven't seen a movie in the theater in a long time. And I'm just – I'm looking – I'm a movie fan. I'm looking for a recommendation. What do you got for me, Jason? Wow. Okay. So I'm not a tremendous movie buff, man. I don't get to see a lot. We went to Le Mis on our anniversary, December 29th. And, you know, like I told you before, there's just a lot of singing. I mean, it's a little, <laughs> a little bit more singing yeah. than I really expect. But I will, I will say so. It's fu- funny. I, Musicals are like that. I, I know. They are funny like that. And I will say I am, I'm in the middle. Of, I've, uh, <laughs> I don't use Netflix, but I do have Amazon streaming and I'm watching, uh, it's not a movie, but a TV series called Sons of Anarchy. And I cannot mm-hmm. recommend it highly enough. AC, I know, is watching yep. as well. And it is just a, a great, great, fun show to watch. Andy? Uh, well, you know, with a, with a 16-month-old old at home, I haven't been to the movies in, you know, two to three years. Yeah. I will say, though, um, Ken Burns' Dust Bowl, Bowl that was about about the um, about the ravages of the, um, you know, Depression era uh, and kind of what happened there in America is a great lesson and a great um, – it's 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 by no means an upbeat movie. I was just going to say, really, it, it is, sounds he does great work. But you and yeah. learn something, and it yeah. sounds really educational. But it also sounds like if I watch that, I'm going to need a, a nice glass of scotch yeah, it's right a, next to me. Well, <laughs> certainly, um, you know. Uh, but it's a fascinating uh, look into the history, a uh, part of a part of history of America. So, Andy Cross, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank thanks, you. Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.